0: The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 164, Cup Bearer Becomes Governor. Sixty years after the first return to Jerusalem, Ezra the scribe led a second wave of courageous exiles back to their homeland. The group of about 2,000 families quickly settled into the land of Judea, developing the farmland in the countryside and also beautifying Jerusalem and the temple. However, even though they made it safely to Judea, They had many enemies in the neighboring provinces. At every turn, these Gentile nations tried to slow down and stop the work of God. Ezra was a dynamic leader for God, but he needed help protecting the people and the temple from the foreigners. From a window in the upper palace of the Persian capital of Susa, Nehemiah looked toward the horizon saw the long-awaited caravan approaching the city gates. After being excused by his master, he quickly traversed the palace halls and grounds until he reached the gate.
1: Open the gates! He
0: yelled, looking up toward the guards. Recognizing Nehemiah, the palace guard immediately swung open the large wooden gates. Waiting on the other side was the caravan, with a familiar face front and center. His brother, Welcome back. Nehemiah shouted as he happily strode toward his brother, engulfing him in an affectionate embrace. Hanani had spent the last year on a journey to and from Jerusalem to report on the state of affairs in the Jewish province. Now, after finally reaching the end of his journey, Hanani had news that he knew would distress his brother. Grasping Hanani's shoulders with his hands, Nehemiah pulled back and looked into his brother's eyes, and noticed his sad countenance. What is it? Nehemiah asked. (sighs) I have some bad news. Hanani
2: soberly replied. Those who have returned from the captivity to Jerusalem are being afflicted by the gentile nations around them. The city wall has collapsed in many parts, and the gates are continuously being set ablaze by our enemies. Our Jewish brethren are close to losing hope in the face of these continuous
1: attacks.
0: Nehemiah was stunned by the news. He had been very inspired and hopeful about the Jews' mission in their capital city. In many ways, his heart was in Jerusalem. To hear that they were being attacked and defeated, cut him to his core. His mind raced as he imagined the city on fire and the people crying out in hopelessness. With Nehemiah's emotions overwhelmed him. He sat down on the ground. Tears filled his eyes and started sliding down his cheeks. He was more than a thousand miles away, but he was practically searching his thoughts for ways that he could help the situation. He knew that he had to beseech God for a solution. After seeing his brother off, Nehemiah returned to his room in the royal palace. He immediately began to fast, seeking to draw closer to God, who could intervene in this tragic situation. For days as he fasted, He mourned, wept, and prayed, kneeling down before his bed to intercede on behalf of the people of Jerusalem.
1: Nehemiah's prayer was
0: earnest and
1: urgent. Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. But please also remember the instruction you gave Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands... Then, even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Those in Jerusalem are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name then finally, just as Nehemiah was ending his prayer, he had a very specific request for God. He prayed, Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. This man, in Nehemiah's prayer, referred to
0: Artaxerxes, the leader of the Persian Empire. As the cupbearer for Artaxerxes, Nehemiah was frequently in contact with the royal family. It was his task to ensure that no harm would come to the king, leading his personal security service to protect the king from assassins. As such, Nehemiah was extremely well trusted by the powerful monarch. One day, after praying the faith-filled prayer on behalf of the suffering Jerusalemites, Nehemiah appeared before the king and his wife to confirm that Artaxerxes' wine had not been poisoned and was safe for drinking. However, as Nehemiah approached the throne, his cup in hand, the king noticed something different about his trustworthy servant.
2: Why do you look so sad, Nehemiah? He inquired. In all your years of service, I cannot remember a single time when you weren't cheerful to fulfill your duty.
0: Nehemiah continued to approach the king and deliver the wine without speaking.
2: Why are you sad when you are obviously not sick? The king
0: continued.
2: I perceive that this sadness is but mere sorrow of heart.
0: When Nehemiah heard this, he immediately feared what might be done to him. Every servant knew better than to look sad before the most powerful man on earth, regardless of how he or she was feeling. Yet, in this case, Nehemiah could not contain himself. Finally, he responded to the king with his
1: emotions clearly
0: displayed.
1: Let the king live forever,
0: Nehemiah said.
1: Why should I not be sad when Jerusalem, the city of my heritage, is being destroyed? Nehemiah's forced response took Artaxerxes
0: by surprise. Instead of being apologetic for his sadness, Nehemiah told the truth, heedless of what the consequences might be. The king studied his trusted servant.
2: Hmm, what would you like to do about it?
0: He asked. Nehemiah was stunned by this response. He quickly realized that God was answering his prayer to show him favor before the king. Before responding, Nehemiah quickly offered up a silent prayer that God would give him the right words to say. He likely had never had the opportunity to express his desires before the king in this manner and wanted to be sure he was respectful, yet bold enough to fulfill God's will
1: for him. If it please the king, Nehemiah said, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, then please send me to Judah, the place of my heritage, that I may build it up and secure it from attack.
0: Artaxerxes briefly took counsel with his wife next to him. Nehemiah had no idea what to expect after he had been so bold his heart pounded within his chest The King turned back to him and uttered this extraordinary response
2: How long will your journey be and when will you return? It was clearly a miracle
0: an answered prayer from God Nehemiah's request to leave his duties at the palace of Shushan was very bold. Only the most trustworthy of individuals could fulfill the role of cupbearer for the king. As king of the Persian empire, Artaxerxes and those before him witnessed frequent attempts to take their lives. A cupbearer had to be trusted to never fall victim to bribery from the king's enemies, and as such was only installed in office when his loyalty was beyond dispute. Nehemiah had proven himself completely loyal to Artaxerxes. By the king granting Nehemiah's leave, Artaxerxes would lose one of his most trusted subjects and would have to replace him with another, which could possibly put his own life in danger. This was a weighty decision for the king, yet he granted Nehemiah's request and allowed him to go. After considering the time it would take to set the right course for Judah, Nehemiah responded,
1: If it please the king, I would like to go for a period of 12 years.
0: With hardly a moment of hesitation, the king responded,
2: Agreed. Is there anything else you need?
0: Nehemiah couldn't believe that the king was offering to give him even more. Nevertheless, he thought quickly, and practically of what he would need to accomplish his task. Yes, Nehemiah said, thinking on his feet.
1: If it please the king, please write letters to the governors in the province beyond the Euphrates River that declare my official role as governor over Judea and Jerusalem, that they would allow me free passage until I reach my homeland. Also, Please write a letter to Asaph, the keeper of your forest in Lebanon, that he would grant me access to all the timber I need to build up the gates of the city, the citadel, and the house that I will build as my residence.
0: Artaxerxes looked toward his royal scribe and commanded him,
2: See to it that Nehemiah has what he requests.
0: Looking back to Nehemiah, Artaxerxes said,
2: You will have all the protection that you need to reach Jerusalem. Above that which you have asked, I will send with you an armed escort made up of my finest horsemen from the army.
0: Nehemiah thanked the king for his favor and removed himself from the royal court. Nehemiah was filled with gratitude to God, as well as excitement as he withdrew to his quarters to prepare for his journey to Jerusalem. In his memoirs, He would later credit God for all the favor that Artaxerxes had shown him that day in the Persian capital. Soon, Nehemiah set out for Jerusalem with the Persian cavalry. The company was able to travel fast, making use of the well-established Persian road system. During the journey from the Persian Gulf to Syria, down through Lebanon and into the northern parts of Judea, Nehemiah thought about how he could most effectively build up Jerusalem's defenses. Hanani had told him of how Gentile governors of the provinces surrounding Judea had infiltrated Jerusalem with spies and thought to completely overrun the Jews. These same governors received the letters from King Artaxerxes to grant Nehemiah passage through their territories. When they realized that Nehemiah was to become the civil ruler of the Jews, they were angry that their plans for dominating Jerusalem might be thwarted. Shortly before Nehemiah arrived at Jerusalem, he thanked the Persian soldiers for their escort and dismissed them, continuing on to the city with only some of his Jewish companions. Nehemiah didn't want to give away the reason he had come to the city too soon, especially before he had surveyed the work that had to be done. For three days, Nehemiah didn't tell any of the people of Jerusalem why he was there. Instead, he tried to blend in with the inhabitants of the city. Each evening, when darkness came over the city, Nehemiah set out quietly to take account of the damage Jerusalem's defenses had sustained. Hananai was right, Nehemiah thought as he saw the valley gate smoldering from fire, the latest gate to be attacked by the Gentile nations. Indeed, the city wall and the gates had been destroyed over the past months in a series of terrorist attacks designed to weaken the city before a full frontal assault. In some places, all that remained of the city wall was the rubble of stones and charred beams. Each night, Nehemiah surveyed more of the damage. The full weight of the work that needed to be done to restore Jerusalem's defenses impressed on him more and more. He knew he needed to do more than just inspire the people to build. He needed a strategy as well. Finally, Nehemiah was ready to reveal himself to the people he would now lead. On the fourth day after he arrived in Jerusalem, Nehemiah called the rulers, priests, Levites, and nobles to the center of the city. With the leaders assembled, Nehemiah rose to speak.
1: You see the great distress that we are now in. Jerusalem, the holy city of our fathers, lies in ruins, its gates burned with fire. It's time that we come together and build up the wall of Jerusalem, so we're no longer ridiculed and despised by those around us. The leaders before him stirred with unease while none
0: of them enjoyed seeing their city picked apart by the Gentile nations. The amount of work to do was simply overwhelming. Many of them had lost the will to build and fight. Nehemiah saw that he needed to do more to inspire the
1: people. I am Nehemiah, the son of Heclea, former cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, and your new governor by virtue of the king's command. He continued... While the Persian king has allowed me to come to Jerusalem and become your ruler, it is our great God who is in charge of this endeavor.
0: The crowd listened intently as Nehemiah recounted the last few months. He told them of his brother's report to him in the palace in Shushan. He told them of his fasting and prayers to God to grant him favor in the sight of the king. Then he recounted his appearance before King Artaxerxes and the king's dramatic response to free him from his duties at the palace and allow him to return to Judea to help them. He then held up before them the letter from King Artaxerxes that granted them unrestricted access to the king's forests for building materials for the wall. With each new revelation of God's intervention, the people became more and more excited and convinced that Nehemiah was sent by God. Restore Jerusalem to safety. At the conclusion of Nehemiah's speech, one of the elders sitting before him rose to his feet and looking back toward the people, God is behind Nehemiah and this building effort, he declared, Let us rise up and build the wall. With that, the people chaired together. This represented the first flicker of hope these Jews had experienced in years. Most quickly rose to their feet and came forward to meet their new governor, introducing themselves and their families. However, a few in the group weren't overjoyed by the change in events. As the crowd drew closer to Nehemiah, some slunk away from the gathering. Hopping upon their horses, they rode off in different directions with the news that a man had come to look after the welfare of the Jews. These were informants for the gentile nation surrounding the Jews. One rider went east, down toward the Dead Sea and across the Jordan River. There he told Tobiah, the governor of Ammon, the news of Nehemiah's arrival. Another rider went south through the Negev desert and alerted his master, Ed Gersham, the governor of Arabia. The final rider went north, through the hills of the land of Benjamin, to Samaria, where he reported to his governor, Sanballat, all that Nehemiah had said. Before long, Nehemiah received a dispatch from the three surrounding governors intending to intimidate him. The letter mocked Nehemiah and the idea that they could build a wall They claimed that Nehemiah was going against King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah was unfazed by their attempt to discourage him. He sent a response. The God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you have no share, legal right, nor historic claim in Jerusalem. Nehemiah knew he hadn't heard the last of the Gentile leaders, but he understood that God would provide the victory against them if he stepped out and got to work building the wall. His plan was to build it as fast as possible, all the while being ready for the enemy attack.